Welcome to Adopt Materials. I'm Finn. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. In this episode, we are talking about chapter 36 of The Amber Spyglass, The Broken Arrow. I've just seen your note on the structure that says, sorry, we're late again. Faye got bonked. <laughs> that sounds wrong. <laughs> bonked on the noggin. <laughs> I did. I did. Yes. It's true. Sorry this episode has come out just a scooch later than usual. But they did get a concussion on the day that we were supposed to be recording. I did. <laughs> I did. It was horrible. I mean, it wasn't even like a glamorous tale of something extraordinary. I literally just smacked it on a banister. And it's honestly, I don't. It hurt so much. And I was like, eh. And then I was a bit like, oh, yeah, I can definitely still do everything that I'm supposed to do. And then I was like, oh, no, I'm still getting really, really intense, horrible headaches. And I feel really nauseous, like, three hours afterwards. Maybe not, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I can, I, can, I can see why that might be not the best situation yeah. to podcast in. Mm. But I am feeling much better now. Good. So that is good. Also, we are in the same room. We are in the same room. The room in question is, is, in, a, London. is in London. It's <laughs> in London. A hotel room in London. We're, we're both a little bit sad about the situation because we came, we were coming down to London. We decided to come anyway and we'll, we know it'll be. We'll have lots of fun. Yes. But we were originally coming down because Philip Pullman was doing a talk at the British Library. Mm-hmm. As part of the fantasy exhibition yes. that's on at the moment. And we got invited to that. So we were like, obviously, hell yes, we'll come down. Because we've never been to anything with Phil there, have we? Yeah. Because he was supposed to be at the premiere, but he, he wasn't. We were talking about this earlier. This compounds my theory that he secretly hates us. Yeah. That he heard that we were coming <laughs> and he cancelled. Because it got cancelled. Mm. So we... But we booked the trains. We booked mm. the hotel. And the ex, the fantasy exhibition is still running. It's yeah. just the talk in the evening was cancelled. So we're here. And we've yeah. been to the fantasy exhibition. And it was lovely. Yeah. There was some cool stuff. It's... We saw some things that are... Mm-hmm referenced in his dark materials there's a copy of paradise lost there yeah. that's very cool there was there's a cool under ring stuff yeah the secret commonwealth yeah as in just the there's original like, like section yeah about like fey stuff yeah. and fairy stuff and me that, <laughs> yes you yes. Um, and that like refers to secret commonwealth and there's like a little copy of the goblin market which is a yes. poem written by I can't remember the person. Yeah, so. I can't remember her name. No, it was last chapter though, right? Yeah, it was yeah. the person that I referenced last chapter, so I could probably just find it. It's Christina Rossetti. Yes, Christina Rossetti. Nice. Good memory name. Good memory. For something I saw five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's a copy of the Goblin Market poem, which is not the poem that's featured in his dark materials, but one of her works. Mm. And there's a few other pieces by folks that mention that. It's, it's such an interesting exhibition. And we were walking through it and we knew that there wasn't any historic material stuff in there. But it seems so strange to me that there isn't because it just seems so fitting yeah. for especially his dark materials because of all the other stuff that they've got in there. Yeah. It all just lends itself to featuring some his dark material stuff. And also the fact that they booked Phil and then there wasn't any of his stuff right. in the exhibition. Rude. <laughs> so rude. They could have totally got his dark materials, costumes and props in there as well. It's broken up into sections. So there's a full section dedicated to like fae and fairy mm. stories and fairy tales. And then there's one that's more dedicated to like dragons and high fantasy and wizards and elves and stuff. And then there's one that's de- dedicated to like more like surreal fantasy. Yeah. And specifically, like, portals to other worlds type fantasy. And it's like, come on, man. Phil takes all of these boxes. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. For sure. Yeah, it was it, it was a really lovely exhibition. But I was like, God, it, it would just fit so well. And you know, because obviously Phil is a meticulous note taker. You know he's got mm-hmm. notebooks full of stuff that I'm sure he'd be more than happy to like donate to like get on display maybe he's like no but he's like no it's my notebook it lives in my house you yeah can't maybe. Have it. maybe it's like you can't have it until i finish the whole <laughs> until i die no. <laughs> <laughs> until <laughs> i finish the whole like new like new yeah trilogy. um but yeah i'm like genuinely gutted to not be going tonight i think it would have been really fun and interesting to be in the same room as phil for the first time mm-hmm. 
and to hear him speak because we engage obviously we heavily engage with these books and we talk about phil a lot but we don't actually i mean we're not only on a first name basis we're on shortening his first name <laughs> we're on a nickname basis this is, do you know what i feel like friendship groups that listen please tell me if that's a thing that people do because like our friendship group especially oh, we're yeah. always shortening people's names it would be so weird for us to say philip pullman it would also similarly be really weird for us to say Haley williams because we always call her Haley. phoebe bridges that just would be phoebes. weird just yeah. phoebes do people do other people do this how often it depends how often you're talking about other yeah. people in their lives True. which for us constantly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes I'm, I'm, i am good about it but can't be helped can it now, there will be more opportunities, we hope. Yes. But, I mean, one can only hope that he cancelled because he's bloody busy writing that third <laughs> book <laughs> yeah. and finishing it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, also, obviously, we mentioned we're in a hotel room, so we have brought out the trusty Yeti mic, which is the old one that we bought from eBay four years ago. We were just talking about how old it potentially yeah. is. We are obviously sat in the same room, so we might sound different. You might hear some, like, right near reception of the hotel so you might hear some talking there might hear people checking in yeah we're in the middle of london Mm -hmm. we're right next to king's cross so you might hear sirens in cars and stuff because that just can't be helped that's london life exactly so forgive us if we do sound a little bit worse than usual yes so what else to tell people about i've enjoyed my first glass of mulled wine of the year (gasps) nice was that the one that you had with us when we came to visit you in castleton I had one before you arrived, and that was. Did you? (laughs) I did. Um, As my reward for helping set up. Yes, Faye came and visited me in my little village, and I was helping out with part of the school fate, and we all had mulled wine to support the tiny primary school. Yes, not me, though. I refuse to support primary schools. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I just don't like like mulled wine. I did have a little cookie, and it was nice. They refuse to drink hot liquids. I can't drink hot liquids. I think they're vile. Yeah. I had room temperature water earlier, and I was like, that is fucking disgusting. That one time you had miso soup, and you're like, oh, and then never again. Yeah, that was because I was severely hungover, (laughs) and I was like, anything that's got like a high salt level, that's true. I would would have. But then I think... I can do soup if I've got something to dip in it. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, this is the high quality content you've tuned mm, in for. <laughs> 100%. 100%. Yes. But yes, tis the season. And that always means for us. And I'm well, I'm well aware that a lot of our, as our listeners, are lovely, lovely queer folks who, mm-hmm. as we do tend to do, we have a lot of chosen family as well as blood family. And whoever you're celebrating the cosy season with this year just remember to take care of yourselves yeah. and give the people that you love a hug yeah do it honestly i can't t- like it's so strange i don't know if you feel this but since i moved back up north i feel so much more like connected to the people around me than i did when i was in london and it's, it's strange because like even you're closer to like close to me in proximity up north but we're probably closer in proximity down here mm. but i definitely feel like Closer to you, I feel like closer to my family. It's because every time I come and see you, I have to stay over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's just nice to like, so I think I feel like definitely like this, like holiday season, I'm very much like in the like, oh, it's so nice to like spend mm. time with everyone and do nice things. Because like tonight we were supposed to have our annual podcast, like Christmas party that's just me and Rach. And then we've now decided <laughs> to add like three extra people that we know from London to it. And it's going to be really nice. Yeah, because we make the effort to see people when we're here now. Yes. Because we have to. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. <sighs> but yes, look after yourselves. Take care of each other. I hope that whatever situation you're in, you can find some comfort in like your friends, your family, your chosen family, all that kind of stuff. And if we're your going out of the house to just get out of there and go for a Ooh. warm podcast and wrap up warm. Please. Oh my God, it's so cold. And... England recently has been fucking yeah. freezing. Your podcast parents say, wear a hat and scarf. Come yes, on. definitely. <laughs> or like, not if you're in like a hot place though. No, That's wear it. a hat and scarf all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying this while staring at Faye, who is never not wearing a hat at the moment. I'm wearing a hat because my hair is a mess. Fair. <laughs> There's many reasons for hats. Yes. <laughs> hey, Faye. Hi. 
what would your demon have been this week? What a fucking great question, because I made these notes ages ago. <laughs> um, Did I, you make these notes pre or post concussion? Pre concussion. Oh, it I was feel like you might want to change your demon. <laughs> I feel like I made them about 20 minutes before I got my concussion. Okay. So I said, okay, okay, I feel this. Mm-hmm. It's been cold. It's been horrible. We've been doing this podcast for four years. I've probably said this every year. I would love to hibernate through winter. I feel like I would like to be conscious until New Year's Day and then I'd like to hibernate until March. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go for a grizzly bear. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because I saw... I also... Are you sure you don't want to switch out for a tortoise or a turtle or something with a hard shell to protect its head? <laughs> maybe that's true that is true maybe maybe um but i did see a tiktok video of a grizzly bear mum walking across the like dual carriageway in canada and she was trying to get her like little cubs to go over and they just didn't understand so they'd like run out halfway because she'd go all the way over and take like because she could only obviously carry like one and then they'd follow her halfway and then go back. So she'd have to go all the way back to carry the next one and then they'd follow her halfway and then go back or go over the whole way and then go back into the oh middle and then go back over. And all the cars were waiting for her and it was great. It was very I cute. I love to be in one of those cars. Yes. Just like watching it all unfold. Adorable. Yeah, it was so cute. And I was like, you know what? Think of like the also before hibernation because seeing as I've got a few months before I would hibernate or before my demon. Would I hibernate with my demon? My, I guess my demon would hibernate. But maybe that would give me some form of chill yeah. in my own, like... Well, you wouldn't be able to go very far. You'd basically true. have to hibernate because you're doing yes, hibernating. Exactly. And you would have, like, the world's best excuse. Because you'd be yes. like, oh, I'm so sorry, I can't leave the house. Yeah, I'm like, you've got to come to me or I'm not coming. Yeah, yeah. basically. Which is, like, that's what I want in winter, actually. Yeah. You, I'm not leaving. Yeah. You're going to come to me. i got my blankets. Yeah, exactly. I've got my grizzly bear in the <laughs> Yeah. And I feel like a little snuggle with a grizzly bear. Yeah, would be lovely. What about you? What would your demon be? I, in my true fashion, haven't thought about it until the last minute. Love it. But it's chilly. It's festive. Everything's kicking off. Mm. I'm feeling very in tune with Mary Malone in the last few chapters and therefore very in tune with Simone Kirby, who is having a whale of a time right now doing loads of really cool TV stuff because we follow her on Instagram, mm-hmm. obviously. And she seems like she's having a great time. And I always hey, think Simone. about Simone when I think about Robins now mm-hmm. because that's her demon. So I'm stealing Simone Kirby's demon and I'm yes. having a lovely Christmassy Robin because I also love that one of the things that she loves about the Robins is that they're quite fiery and territorial. Yes. And I feel like that's also an energy that I need at the moment is that little bit of like feeling cute, looking cute, looking Christmassy, quiet, <laughs> yes. simmering rage. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, yes. What a, like, what a perfect persona to have right yes. now. Yeah, love yeah. that. So that's, that's what I'm going for. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know a lot about what I know about Robins from our conversation with Simone. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're not shy and they're quite bold and they will they will have a scrap. Yes. Also, this is their like most spherical time of year and that makes me very happy. <gasps> How like round all the birds have gotten. Because not only are they obviously eating lots and building up fat stores for the winter, but... Like birds are warmer if they puff their feathers out a little bit because it traps more air between yeah. their feathers and themselves. And so they're all just the most... Sp- I saw a really spherical magpie on the fence no. this morning and I wanted to squish it. It was so cute. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot to tell you that I was driving home from my mum and dad's and I was just turning the corner onto the street that like leads up to the motorway. Mm. And I was like, oh, what's that in the middle of the road? It looked like a McDonald's bag or like a brown paper bag that had something in it. It wasn't like flat. So mm. it caught my attention. I was like, oh, that's weird. What was it? It was a fucking owl. An owl? An owl. Did you make eye contact? Yes. Did it curse you? I think so. Did you get a concussion before or after? It was after. <laughs> it was after. So I didn't know what it was until the last second. Luckily it flew away. I didn't hit it. But I saw it, it turned to me and obviously my headlights lit up its eyes. And I was like, ah. And I think it was a barn owl. Matt thinks it was a tawny owl. But he thinks it was dark, darker than what I saw. I think it was mm. barn owl. But yeah, it looked directly into my soul. So I think I've now been cursed also. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I've never seen like an owl, like my like where my parents live, like there is a lot, there's a lot of fields and stuff around there, but it's nowhere near as much like countryside as where you live. 
I've never seen an owl around there ever. And mm-hmm. I was like, why is it in the middle of this busy road? Probably snacking on roadkill. Yeah. Probably found mm-hmm. a nice flattened squirrel yeah. <laughs> to yeah. just have a little nibble Oof. on. Yeah. Mm-mm. <laughs> okay. Amazing. Should we get into this chapter? Yes. You'll probably be able to hear me turning pages this chapter, people, so I hope you enjoy it. That's right. I keep finding that whenever I'm editing, I can hear myself turning pages. <laughs> Last chapter, Lyra and Will went off to explore Malefa world in search of their demons. A sort of hide-and-seek situation ensued. Father Gomez stalked the children like a total creep, but little did he know our pal Balthamos was stalking him. Balthamos killed Gomez and then disintegrated. R.I.P. Balthamos. Lyra and Will finally acknowledged their feelings for each other and, oh my god, they kissed and it saved the world. Yes. Yes. Uh, In this chapter, the demons are back and they know a secret. Serafina is back and she knows a secret. Serafina tells Mary about the secret and encourages the demons to share what they know with Lyra and Will. A big old lizard eats Father (laughs) Gomez's corpse and we still don't know what the secret is. (laughs) Oh God, it's such a funny little chapter. They're just, everyone's talking about something and we don't get to know what it is. We don't know what it is and then all of a sudden we'll get there but Gomez is getting eaten by a lizard shot. Yeah, sure. Great. We can't so, have a lovely Mary chapter without Gomez showing up. Hopefully no. this is the last time we'll see him. Yes. Well, yeah, I'd be surprised if we saw him again. <laughs> the lizard becomes a character <laughs> later on, actually. I will say that I made these notes fucking ages ago pre-concussion, so this is like another lifetime ago for me. So, I made my notes on the train to London. So Rich might be carrying this episode. I have never not left my homework until the very last minute, mm. so... We love that for me. We do. We do. Just mean that it's fresh in my head. Mm. I will say, we have to do the picture and the quote first. Yes. I'm aware. But I will say that this is an interesting chapter title for something that's not really a big part of the chapter. It's interesting that Mrs. Coulter gets the chapter title. Yeah. She she always deserves it. Any chapter she's in. True. She deserves the spotlight. Okay. Okay, do you want to... Uh, guess what the picture is is it a broken arrow <laughs> yeah <laughs> cool uh, it's a bunch of arrows it's a bunch of arrows and one is broken okay. Okay. yeah let's yeah. see that yeah would you like to know about this quote I would okay the quote but fate does iron wedges drive and always crowds itself betwixt 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 a twix exactly <laughs> lovely caramel lovely biscuit lovely chocolate can't go wrong <laughs> I think that's what he meant, old Andrew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this quote is from a guy called... Uh-uh-uh. Andrew. And Just just Andy. Andy. Wait, it's Andrew Marvel. Yes. Andrew Marvel or Marvel? Marvel? Marvel. Marvel. Don't know. Andrew Marvel. Um, so we've heard from him before. We heard from him Have back we? in chapter 26 with his poem called The Garden, which oh. is just about really enjoying gardening. Nice. Okay. Um, I so... thought this was the first time we'd... I do tend to forget white men's names. Fair, very <laughs> fair. Um, so I feel like I probably dived a little bit into his backstory on the last time we covered him. Let's hope so. Yeah. This is from a poem called The Definition of Love, mm-hmm. which is interesting, but it's a bit more of an emo poem than you would think. That's it's fairly long, but it is maybe worth reading. Would you um, like, if you want to would you like serenade poetry, me with a poem, a poetry I recital. I'm ready. Okay. My love is of a birth as rare as tis for objects strange and high. It was begotten by despair upon impossibility. Magnanimous despair alone could show me so divine a thing where feeble hope could ne'er have flown, but vainly flapped its tinsel ring. Uh, and yet I quickly might arrive where my extended soul is fixed, but fate does iron wedges drive and always crowds itself betwixt. For fate with jealous eye does see two perfect loves, nor lets them close. Their union would her ruin be and her tyrannic power dispose. And therefore her decrees of steel, us as distant poles have placed. Though love whole world on us doth wheel, not by themselves be embraced. Unless by giddy heaven fall and earth some new convulsion tear and us to join the world should all be cramped into a plain sphere. As lines so love's oblique may well themselves in every angle greet, but pairs so truly parallel through inflate can never meet. Therefore the love which us doth bind 
but fate so enviously debars is the conjunction of the mind and opposition of the stars. Oh, nice. That was. Well done. Wordy. Well Did done. Did you get the gist of the poem though? Because I will break it down. Please break it down. Cool. I, ha- I feel <clears throat> with me personally with poetry, I guess it's from my like English lit background. I have to see it like written down to like mm-hmm. make any it's stuff that's like yielded. Oh, I have to see it written down. For sure. Yeah, it's, yeah. And I feel like anytime I read a poem out loud, I get another appreciation for anyone that can read poems like that and oh, make yeah. them like convey the meaning, even though it's yeah word soup 100 percent. um the gist of the poem is it's from the poet's point of view he is thinking about his love mm-hmm. and it is a love so rare that it could only have been built by despair and trauma oh okay um and impossibility mm-hmm. and i feel like that's very relevant to this chapter we're yeah. in a situation where we've got two people in love with a lot of shared trauma yeah. and a lot of dark shit and True. despair. Um, and the whole thing is the love is so big, so great and so grand that fate itself is threatened by it. Ooh. And so puts the lovers on opposite poles, the <gasps> line, um, and therefore her decrees of steel as, as the distant poles have placed... So he puts them on one on the North Pole, one on the South Pole. Shut and the up. only thing that could bring them together would be some catastrophic event that collapsed the world into a flat Earth. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> He's a flat Earth. <laughs> no. Um, some catastrophic event that would flatten the Earth and that's the only way they could be brought together because they're on opposite ends of the world because fate is against the love because it's so great and so grand. Oh my God, I fucking love it. Right? I love it. Very cool. So the poem is like, it's a bit... It's called the definition of love, but this love is like fated to be ruined. Yeah. It's so big. It's so built on all this like dramatic stuff that like fate itself is threatened, has to separate the lovers. And so the poet is just kind of really fucking sad that he can't be with the one that he loves. <laughs> I wonder. Put, put, a, put a pin, a pin in that. I, so choosing this poem as the intro yeah. to this chapter where we don't learn a ton yeah. about anything but we have this ominous feeling feels like if you were as well read as Mr Pullman you might be like huh that's weird I wonder why he's picked this poem about lovers that yeah. <laughs> could never <laughs> do you know it makes yeah. it, I was literally you took the words out of my mouth when you said about Philip Pullman being so well read because mm-hmm. I was thinking my god the things that must live in his brain like because he is either researched every chapter to be like I want something that fits and here it is or he's just got that rolling around in his brain and he's like oh I know that but then which is like a pheno- phenomenal like amount of like literature and stuff to just have it in your mm-hmm. brain and we know obviously he is a white man that was educated was it Oxford was it, it Oxford it is Oxford yeah yeah so he had more opportunities to learn that stuff than a lot of other people. But then I also think that, like, well, okay, if I was writing a book and, say, every stanza, like, there was a little stanza at the top. I did exactly what Phil's done. I put a quote from something at the top mm. of every chapter. I could pull fucking song lyrics from my head easily oh, yeah. without having to do any research. So I guess it's just, like, different... Special interests. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's... I think Phil's special interest is very much the old the great literature and philosophy yeah. he's not only studied it because we have a relatively basic i only studied english up to gcse you did english at a level mm-hmm. and then yeah. journalism at uni so you have like probably a higher education than most in english lit type stuff yeah but at the same time that like, he's gone off and he's done university at oxford you know, and then it's been his entire job and he's like true old <laughs> true and his whole job is to read and research yeah. things for books. So the fact that he is able to pull from Milton and Keats and all mm. of these like classic poets, it's kind of his job. Yeah, that's true. That is very <laughs> true. Very true. But it is still nice because it's introducing a lot of his readers and stuff to like, I would never have thought to read this poem no. without it. But then the fact that I'm going, oh my gosh, this really old poem perfectly illustrates a feeling that we have about this yeah. book. Has he pulled it from the book? Is it just perfectly picked? We don't know. It's got inspiration from everywhere. That poem. Mm-hmm. Imagine it's giving me vibes of Hades Town. It's giving me like it could be a musical. Do you know what I mean? Mm. 
imagine a musical in the style of Hades Town. Mm-hmm. Because obviously that's like a tragic love story as well. I feel like that would vibe. We'd have to introduce some other characters other than Fate and the couple that have been yeah. pulled apart. But... Hope is in there too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fate, okay. Hope, Star Cross Lovers. Yeah. yeah. That means as well because it says um, it is the conjunction of the mind in opposition to the stars. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Star Crossed. Yeah. Stuff. Yes. But yeah, fun poem, sad poem. That's cool. I'm glad you explained it because I like it much more than just reading that one line. That's why that is why I feel so clever, isn't it? Because it's like the one line that you've chosen, but fate does iron wedges drive and always crowds itself betwixt. Like you wouldn't know the like gist of the poem just from that Mm -hmm. line. Yeah, sometimes they feel not on the nose, but like, oh I know what he's done there. Yeah. Sometimes you're like Cool. Yeah. So then you and read what it's from and you're like, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I see. I see. Exactly. Hey, Faye. Hi. How do you fancy posing up with a free case of exclusive wines? Oh my God. I fancy that so much. This is very exciting. It really is. we have a sponsor. Yes. 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 And with the weather getting chillier here, there is no better way to cozy up get all cosy with all your blankets and lovely stuff than with three bottles of wine from the world's best independent wineries. All that you need to do, our lovely listeners, is go to www.wine52.com forward slash dark materials. That's wines, W-I-N-E 52, the numbers 52.com forward slash dark materials. And you just cover the postage, which is 9 95 and then they send you three bottles of wine to your door. Yes. Very exciting. We got this case delivered to our door. The wines that they sent us were so nice. The box was really pretty too, right? The box was so pretty. <laughs> you get like two snacks with it. And it was so nice. The wines that I tasted. It comes with this magazine called Glug Magazine, which I'm holding in my hands right now. And I'm terrible with wine pronunciation. But honestly, the, the two reds that they sent us especially were so, so nice. Like actually genuinely some of the best reds that I've ever had. Oh, so smooth. So rich. It was just, oh, perfect. It's always a good shout that they send you different stuff every time. You can sign up for this one and you can pay $9.95 per stage. And then if you want to, you can carry on as a subscription and you get different wines every time. And that's such a good shout to like try different wines from like all over the world. Each month they visit a new country or region and they tell the story of that region in the magazine, which is really cool to read. They also have like all the different wines from that region and different regions just like wines of the world section which is really interesting to read as well especially if you're like looking to learn more about wine as well because it's such a huge like industry and mm-hmm. there's so much to learn about you can cozy up with your magazine and your snacks and your wine yes beautiful exactly when you sign up you have a choice of whether you want a mix so red and white wine or a red only or white only case also you get the magazine and the snacks very yes. fun Honestly, it's such a good deal for just $9.95 per stage. So, after your free case, as we mentioned earlier, you'll join the monthly wine club, but there's no minimum commitment. If it's not for you, you can cancel at any time. So remember, that's www.wine52.com forward slash dark materials to claim your free case of delicious wine today. If you're a wine drinker, it's really, really worth it. Definitely. Let's launch it. Okay, let's go. To this chapter... We're back with Pan. We're finally with the demons. Oh my God. This is the first time we've heard Pan speak in so long. And I'm so happy that he's here. Demons, well, they're not speaking yet. They're sneaking. They're being sneaky. Mm -hmm. They're sneaking through the village. They go to Mary's house. They see that Mary's in bed and they leave her be. And they go to the shelter tree, which is where Will and Myra are sleeping. Mm. And they see that they're cuddling. Oh, they are. And, and they're I'm... just checking in. Yeah, and they're like, they, they moved closer over the grass and touched the sleepers softly with nose, paw, whiskers, bathing in the life-giving warmth they gave off, but being infinitely careful not to wake them. That's Aww. very cute. Also, they're both cats. There's a lot of times this chapter where they're both the same. Mm-hmm. Like, animal, which is very cute. Yes. I really like it as well. Yeah. And like, they're checking in. They want to be close to Will and Lyra, but they don't want to wake them. That you're not ready to talk to them yet, and that's sad. Mm-hmm. And that is sad. Yeah. And then Serafina's here. Serafina is here, and you know what? Happy to see Serafina. The it's demons. Been so long. It's been so long. The demons jump up, and they're both wolves again. Just, mm-hmm. just twinning, you know. 
they've just got the same vibes. Very insane. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it is really nice to see Serafina. Yes. Although, whatever, we don't find out what the secret is. Mm-hmm. This chapter, as we've said. But we know it ain't good. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of sad that Serafina's back just to tell some bad news and then... Yeah. Yeah. Chaperone us through some hardships, yeah. basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Pan is joyful. He jumps out, Serafina Peckland, where have you been? Do you know what's happened? And she's like, shh, let's go chat. So they go chat. Mm-hmm. They turn into birds, a nightingale and an owl. Yes. This is the first time that they're like different animal-like yeah, species. Exactly yeah, yeah. And it's sweet. They go, They Serafina's being very ominous about them settling soon. Mm-hmm. She They fly up to somewhere high and perch in a tree and she keeps being like, so can of you. You're not going to be birds for yeah. lads. <laughs> she loves to get it in, doesn't she? She's like, remember what I said? You ain't going to be able to fly. You might be able to climb, but you won't be able to fly. Yeah, yeah. And she keeps being like, Pan's like, oh, so do you know, you could see into the future a little bit. Mm-hmm. What are we going to be? What are we going to be? She's like, oh, I couldn't possibly tell you, but it ain't going to be birds. <laughs> I feel like she likes it. She's like, yeah. mm, I could <laughs> tell you, but actually I'm not going to, but yes. I'll keep giving you little hints. Um, I like the um, description, because uh, obviously they like you said, they fly away somewhere they're not going to wake the people, the Malefa and everyone uh, sleeping um, so they can talk. And they go to the top of one of, not Mary's tree, because obviously it's it's long gone, RIP, but one of the one of the trees. Mm-hmm. We get to like have a little description of like the, is it the flowers on top of the tree? Like soaking in dust and that's yeah. really nice. These like little dusty descriptions that we're getting. So she tells them some witch law. Yes, we get a witch law drop, and mm. I'm really here for it. The demons are asking Seraphine about what they might settle as, and she's like, I don't care about that. Yeah. I'm going to tell you some cool stuff about how witches become witches. Yeah. Um, which is great. I might just read it yeah. as is. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you some witch law that none, but witch, that none but witches know. The reason I can do that is that you are here with me, and your humans are down there sleeping. Who are the only people for whom that is possible? And Pan's like, witches and shamans, so... <laughs> she says... In leaving both, uh, in leaving you both on the shores of the world of the dead, Lyra and Will did something without knowing it that witches have done since the first time there were witches. There's a, a region of our Northland, a desolate, a desolate, abominable place, where a great catastrophe happened in the childhood of the world, and where nothing has lived since. No demons can enter it. To become a witch, a girl must cross it alone and leave her demon behind. You know the suffering they must undergo, but having done it. They find that their demons were not severed, as in Bolvanger. They are still one whole being. And now they roam free and can go to far places and see strange things and bring back knowledge. And she says to the demons, you aren't severed. And you aren't severed, are you? And Pan's like, no, we're still one. But it was horrible. It was painful. We were frightened. And Seraphina tells them, you're not going to fly like witches. You're not going to live as long as witches. But you're basically witches. Welcome to the club. That's funny to me, though, because she's like, <laughs> Yeah, you're not going to fly. You're not going to live as long as we do. And she also may have just added, like, you also don't have, like, the powers that we do because they don't. Yeah. So, and then she's like, but you're witches. But thanks to what they did, you and they are witch and all but that. And it's like, well, you just named all the ways that we're, that we're not. So Yeah. <laughs> like, welcome. Very much honorary. Yeah. Mascots. Yeah. yeah. Also. You're the person getting to, like, to the, a, a thing at, like, Baseball games like doing the first pitch at a baseball oh, game. You're, yeah, not, yeah, you're yeah. not on the team. Yes. You've just wheeled out to, to throw the ball and then yeah. you go back into the stands and watch the match. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Also, I wanted to point out the trope of heroes in stories having to go through something traumatic and having to suffer for mm. like power or for like something that they've gained. There's always got to be some kind of like suffering. Yeah. Why do rites of passage have to be painful? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. For sure. The demons are very impatient about what they're going to settle as, and it is very cute. Yes. Um, And I enjoy this bit here where it says, and how can Will be a witch? I thought all witches were female. Those two have changed many things. We are all learning new ways, even witches. And I'm just like, hell yeah, destroy those gender norms. We yes. love to see that. Yes. We love to see that. Seraphina names, names Will's yes. demons. I... So I simultaneously love this. Yes. She deserves a name. Mm-hmm. We're here for it. How would you feel if somebody just like named your a part of you while you weren't there? It's interesting because Will's demon is her own demon; she's her own being. Yeah, but at the same time, she's part of Will. So if 
I was like, oh, Faye, just so you know, your right leg is actually <laughs> called Larry and you have no choice in it. Well, I, I guess I kind of saw it as... But then your right leg is sentient also. In yes, this yes, yes, of course, of course, of course. Um, or like, oh, you've got a dog that you've had for ages, a pet, you've just never named it. And I just show up and I'm like, that dog, it just looks like a Horatio. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I kind of see it as being like, because Seraphina's a witch, she has like a higher power, almost like authority yeah. to do it. And also, if you think about it, all demons are named without the consent of the human that they belong to, That's because true. they're named by their parents' demons and you're a baby most of the time. So you're not you know what? I didn't choose to be named Faye. Do you know what I mean? True. And I, obviously, if we wanted to as adults, we could change our names. True. But I guess it's not a massively common thing amongst the majority of people to choose your own name. But there's also... It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because... If you just also... popped into the world, though, as like a fully formed 15-year-old, I feel like you would want to name yourself. Yeah. There's <laughs> a lot of power been... in... There's a lot of power in naming yeah. yourself as well. Especially if it's like choosing a name because it doesn't fit with like who you might be as a person. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't feel any certain way about this because I was just like, yeah, it's Serafina and she's got like some kind of higher power. Maybe she goes around naming demons. I don't know. Yeah, maybe she's got a sense for it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Also, I always pronounced it Kerjava and then the TV show said Kerjava. Yeah. So I don't really know where to go there. It probably makes more sense that it's Kerjava. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I assume that for all that kind of stuff, would they ask Phil? Surely you would, right? You just drop in a line. Send him a. Is it it a soft J or a hard J? Tell me, please. Quick WhatsApp message. (laughs) Phil, what's going on there? (laughs) He's still got like a Nokia 3310, surely. (laughs) You have to write him a letter. Yeah. You have to email him and hope that he gets back to you in the time that you film the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. I, I'll go with the TV series. Surely that would. Yeah. 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 But it's cute. It's a nice name. Mm-hmm. And then they ask what it means and they're like, soon you'll see what it means. So I'm interested to see if we see what it means because I don't know just, what it means. she's just being like a crafty cryptic bitch this episode. Yeah. Like, Serafina is livid on being a cryptic queen. Yeah, she is. Because like, she's been saying that for everything. She's like, oh, you'll see. And yeah. I'm like, can you see into the future? Do you have knowledge or do you just say, mm, you'll find out? You'll find out. Because I, I, like I could do that. I could do that. So this is the first we hear of there's something that they've got to do. Yeah. She and has something to tell them. Yeah. And they say they don't want to hear it because they already know. Yeah, exactly. And whatever it is, it's too soon. It's yeah. much too soon. And much like us procrastinating away from recording <laughs> this podcast episode because we kept having medical emergencies. Yeah. Pan and Kiyava are procrastinating away from discussing the topic at hand by telling yeah. Serafina about their adventures. Yeah, this is the first we get to hear about yeah. them as well, which is interesting. I want this as a whole book, please, because it sounds yes. really cool. <laughs> yeah, we learned that they went to the world where the Galvespians come from and that there's also big people there who try and kill them, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Had we heard that from maybe Lord Roke in the past. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Or somebody. Oh, I don't yes. remember. We learn that whatever this thing is, whatever this secret is that we're not told about this chapter, mm-hmm. has something to do with the windows. Because Serafina's like, oh, so you... Because they're like, there's so many windows, like more than we ever thought that they were. And Serafina's like, and you saw, and Kajar was like, yes, we looked closely and we saw what was happening. So it's clearly got something to do with the windows. Yeah. Basically, they're trying to del- delay the inevitable, aren't they? Yeah. Um, they're trying to delay telling her. Serafina also calls them out a little bit um, for the way that they've been avoiding the kids. Also, I just want to point out that they... Um, but she let them talk because of the love they felt for each other's voices. Oh, demons in the yeah so cute yeah yes but yes carry on because this is a really interesting bit actually yeah she calls them out and i think you're right this is very interesting because of the context of her being a witch and then being human as well Mm. so she says you've been keeping away from will and lyra to punish them i know why you're doing that my kaiser did that to me just the uh, did just the same after i came through the desolate barrens 
but he came to me eventually because we loved each other still and they need and they will need you soon to help them do what has to be done next because you have to tell them what you know and I just think it makes so much sense as to why Serafina and Kaisa have such a strong bond because they've had this rift caused by mm-hmm. the separation that they did so she as her right of passage as a witch but she's lived for so long that they've had so much time to heal that that like the fact that the kids their demons are avoiding the kids because of what they've been through but there's so much other stuff going on that she's like we've got to fast track this yeah, guys yeah. i'm so sorry you're just humans there's too much going on yeah you need to make amends here yeah. like because it's funny isn't it because like yeah exactly her and kaiser pretty much would have all the time in the world for him to go back to her to process his feelings to, yeah yeah because <laughs> yeah. she ain't going anywhere for a long time mm-hmm. and yeah they're only human they've only got human lifespans and obviously there's stuff happening that needs to get a wiggle on yeah. but even so even if there wasn't it's like yeah don't waste you don't have that much time so don't waste it being mad at each yeah. other yeah yeah oh <laughs> I didn't just give Faye a look that maybe needs a pin putting in it, but <laughs> who knows when. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So this is interesting to me because it says Pan cried aloud. Pantalimon cried aloud. A pure cold owl cry. A sound never heard in that world before. In nests and burrows for a long way around and wherever any small night creature was hunting or grazing or scavenging, a new and unfor- unforgettable fear came into being. So, like, not Pan just screaming and changing how this world works, pretty yeah. much. And also the length of his scream, because I just assumed he did, like, a shriek. Yeah. But then, like, a paragraph later, finally Pantalaimon's wild screaming died away and Kuryaba said, so he's just screaming for fucking ages. For the whole time that Seravina is also another inter- interesting bit, she remembers the conversation that she had with Ruta mm-hmm. about not wanting to look in Will's eyes because she was scared. Yes, and, and she- how his demon has the same ferocity as a tiny little nightingale yeah so cute and it's so interesting because like just a bird seething yeah right (laughs) and i love that we've had this like bubbling undercurrent of will for like the entire time that we've known him that we've talked about so many times it's never really come to fruition in any way Mm. like it's just part of him this like undercurrent yeah yeah Yeah. And I really like that because I think in a lot of other novels they would have made a show of that coming out of him, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like him going on a fucking rampage or something. And we know that he's had to fight, but he never wants to. Yeah, it's like a fierceness and a protectiveness that doesn't have its roots in any kind of like rage. Yeah. I think it all comes from a place of being like protective. Yeah. And rather than from being a place of... Because we've said before he's, like, a violent boy, but mm. it doesn't seem to come from, like, a a scary place so much as an, in, an intense place. Yeah, and I wonder if some of that intensity comes from his situation at home with his mum as well and his maybe, like, subconscious potential anger and sadness about not having, like, what you would class as, in quotations, a normal life that a lot of the people he sees at school have had. Because yeah. um, that's obviously bound to like bubble up inside you and cause something even if you're not really aware of why and the fact that just you know that his demon like not that you ever needed proof that his demon was his demon Mm. but the fact that she has that same intensity as him is such a lovely line to draw between the two of them to be like as if you needed more proof that she's his demon seraphina can't look at this bird when she's in the mood (laughs) i wish they'd put that in the tv show just like seraphina being scared to look at this it would make a perfect meme wouldn't it just like a tiny bit yeah yes yes um so we learn that the children uh, the demons sorry are gonna have to tell the kids something this thing that we news this news this secret whatever you want to call it it's something that the demons are gonna have to tell lyra and will yes and we also learn that seraphina arrived on a ship and that the Egyptians are coming the back. The Egyptians are coming back. Egyptians are coming. That's so exciting. They are. I completely forgot about that, to be honest. Yeah. But yeah, Serafina mentions again that this might be the last time mm-hmm. that they're going to fly. She says, I don't know where you're going to be, but you're not going to be birds. Yeah. Um, and then she kind of just leaves leaves them with it. She says that you're going to have to make a choice through this information that is here 
is going to lead to a big decision and that you need to be there as Will and Lyra's demons to mm. support them and help them make the right choice. Yeah. And also you need to be the ones to relay this information. And they kind of like take that on board. Mm-hmm. She hops on a Clypine. Off she goes. And she zooms off. Yeah. She flies on down to, to Mary's house. Yeah. I love this bit with her and Mary. Which mum meets science mum. Yes. Yes. I love it. I love this like this whole bit with this spell where she's like, I need to wake Mary and I need to do it in the like gentlest way possible. She does Inception. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? I love like, I love how it's described. I love how she like goes into her head and they have like a little dream conversation. I love that once he said they're walking through um, somewhere with electrical, uh, with reed bed, a landscape of reed beds and electrical transformers is where they're walking through in Mary's dream. Sure. Yeah, why not? Makes sense. I love that because it is like, she, yeah, science mom meets lovely nature mom. Yeah. Put it together. I love the quote of like her being sat next to her. She sat on the floor at the woman's head and watched through half Claire's eyes, breathing in and out in time with her. Presently, her half vision began to show her the pale forms that Mary was seeing in her dreams, and she adjusted her mind to resonate with them as if she were tuning a string. That's mm-hmm. such a nice like image of her like tuning herself in to like Mary's yeah. brain, essentially. I know that Serafina doesn't have a radio, but I was envisioning it. Oh yeah, like going through yeah, radio yeah. channels because I just saw tuning and I thought tuning a radio before I thought tuning a string. Yeah, yeah. Like my brain does like to jump ahead. <laughs> yes, and then she she tells Mary that she's going to wake her up because they need to talk about this while they're awake because obviously things that you talk about in dreams have the they're quite the tendency to yeah. like drift away um, yeah. and forget them. And then she does wake her up, and Mary's like, "Huh, you must be the witch." Uh, oh, oh hey yeah. I just had a dream about you yeah well, girl <laughs> yes classic Mary rolling with the punches if I woke up with some lady sat above my head I would be like yeah is that sleep paralysis demon <laughs> yeah and Mary's like I've never been woken up so quietly am I awake I'm like yeah girl happening yes you're awake there's a lovely lady in your bedroom and oh, what are you gonna do about it mm-hmm. um well we're <laughs> gonna go for a walk oh <laughs> yes it's really cute they just they go out for a walk. They do. And Mary, we get like a little description of Serafina. Um, Mary watched Serafina Peckler with a mixture of wariness and admiration. She had never seen a human form so slender and graceful. She seemed younger than Mary herself. Though Lyra had said she was hundreds of years old. The only hint of age came in her expression, which was full of complicated sadness. I kind of hate that like the older, you know, the phrase of getting older and wiser it's just like a horrible loss of innocence becoming like i hate that it's described as as having like a complicated sadness like the more you learn about the world the more you're like susceptible to the negative things in the world ignorance is bliss the older you get the more time you have to learn stuff that makes you sad yeah exactly exactly (laughs) yeah oh my god mary and her demon mary and her demon Mm -hmm. yes they have a lovely little chat about demons mary mentions how Will didn't even know he had a demon mm. until he appeared. And Serafina's like, you've got one too, babes. I can yeah. see it. And we mm-hmm. find out about what it is. Serafina says, um, if you could see him, you would see a black bird with red legs and a bright yellow beak, slightly curved, a bird of the mountains. And Mary immediately knows what he is. And she goes, oh, an alpine chuff? How can you see him? Yeah. And we know, because you'll know if you listen to our interview with Simone Kirby that she felt very strongly about having this mm-hmm. alpine chuff as her demon and that she did a lot of like research on the bird as part of her character yeah. research as an actor and I love that and I can't read this without thinking about that and about yeah. how Adam and Simone was that it had to be the alpine chuff yeah. and also that chuff is a hilarious word it really is <laughs> it really is she says that if I had time I would teach you to see him as well mm-hmm. I'm like oh I want Mary to see him yeah um and then she tells Mary what she's told the demons. And we get like a little bit more of an insight as to what this thing could be because we get Mary's reaction. She says, and the demons will have to tell them, Mary said, I thought of waking them to tell them myself. I thought of telling you and letting you have the responsibility, which is a great bit of honesty from Serafina. I thought yeah. about leaving on you, which is okay. Not making you do it. Yeah. <laughs> but I saw their demons and I knew that would be best. They're in love. I know. They only just discovered it. 
Mary tried to take in all the implications of what Serafina had told her, but it was too hard. So we know that it's something bad. It's something to do with Lyra and Will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then, after a minute or so, Mary says, can you see dust? And Serafina says, no. And Mary says, would you like to see it? And Serafina says, yes. And she shows Serafina dust for the first time, which is lovely. I love that it's Serafina going, well, you've got a demon. Let me tell you about your demon. And Mary being like, oh, well, what can I share with you? Yeah. What's my bit of special knowledge that I can share with you? And it's... Look at my really cool spyglass. Do you want yeah. to see some dust? Like, I love that they share that. And that Serafina's like, oh my God, it's beautiful. Because she's never seen it before, but she's been fighting for it all this time. It's wild to me that the witches didn't know it existed until the wars began. Yeah. Like, so it's not been like a thing that's been in like common knowledge. And I guess it still isn't for most people. But like, even in our little crew, it's not been like a thing that's been common knowledge for a long time. It's yeah. like a recent-ish discovery. It's been around forever, but people have not put a name on it. Yeah, yeah. and that is probably linked to things that the witches do know yeah. and already had, but haven't put together. Yeah. Um, because clearly the witches are connected to dust in other ways than humans are. Yeah. Which is just so interesting. And yeah. then they look back to see the tree, and Serafina exclaims again, they did this, because clearly the dust is going absolutely mad around that tree. Yeah. Because Will and Ryra kissed and it saved the world, obviously. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's a really nice description that Mary says. Something happened today or yesterday, if it's after midnight, Mary said, trying to find the words to explain and remembering her version, her vision of the dust flow as a great river like the Mississippi. Something tiny but crucial. If you wanted to divert a mighty river into a different course and all you had was a single pebble, you could do it. As long as you put that pebble in the right place to send the first trickle of water that way instead of this. Something like that happened yesterday. I don't know what it was. They saw each other differently or something. Until then, they hadn't felt like that, but suddenly they did. And then the dust was attracted to them very powerfully and it stopped flowing the other way. Well, we know what happened. You told yeah. your Marzipan story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And then Serafina explains something about what she understands and Mm -hmm. she tells Mary about the abyss and about what caused the great flow of dust to start moving and about how she bumped into someone who we know better from the TV series as she got an inflated role in the TV series as compared to in the book Um, but we learn about Serafina meeting Zephania Mm -hmm. um, the angel and as Serafina is describing her about how she is young but old and so much wiser and so much vast of a life compared to her Serafina, Mary's there like, well that's how I feel about you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so how much bigger and grander is this person? They just kind of reiterate some of the stuff we already know here about how like the battle for dust and consciousness and freedom of thought and freedom of curiosity and wisdom versus stupidity has been raging across many worlds. Yeah, Every world has its own version of the magisterium trying mm-hmm. to clamp down on this like freedom of thought and curiosity and every world has been in this struggle. And like Mary's very much like, oh, I definitely recognise that yeah. from my world because we know that she's escaped from the Catholic church. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think that one of the interesting bits here is um, when Serafina says, and the struggle isn't over now, though the forces of the kingdom have met a setback, they'll regroup under a new commander and, have, and come back strongly and we must be ready to resist. And I think that that, again highlights how Phil is a lot different to a lot of I know it hates it being called a children's book but like a lot of other like especially young adult novels it's like oh once you defeat the bad guy then it's done and obviously that's shown anyway with the book carrying on after we in quotes defeated the bad guy yeah but the fact that Seraphina's like no, this will happen again. It's like, again, that is such an allegory for our world. It's like, yeah, you might you might vote out the Tories, but yeah. the Tories will be back. Every, all politicians are fucking assholes. Not to look at it with a negative lens, but I definitely see a lot of like that yeah. in here. Where it's like, yes, you might defeat the bad guy, but there's somebody bubbling up somewhere else waiting to get their chance. Yeah, I've seen a few things recently, especially with the new Hunger Games film mm-hmm. coming out. Of people being like, what if... I can't, who wrote The Hunger Games? Suzanne Collins? What if Suzanne Collins had written Harry Potter and mm-hmm. vice versa? Basically because Suzanne Collins finishes The Hunger Games, I guess spoilers for The Hunger Games, 
And it's like, and what happens after that? And it's like, well, they didn't save the day. Yeah. Political turmoil is political turmoil and everything is horrendous. Katniss doesn't retire to become a, a wizard cop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, like, Katniss, like, carries on with her life and it's not great. It's not yeah. good. She still has to do a lot of fighting and scrapping, blah, blah, blah. Whereas, like, and you look at Harry Potter, it's like, oh, everyone's just has babies and everything's fine. It's like, just because you killed the one big bad. Yeah doesn't mean that there aren't an entire political system with other people with horrendously bigoted views that have been supporting them this whole time that won't step up into their place. Yeah, Um, I saw um, a tweet that made me laugh about The Hunger Games as well, about Suzanne Collins, um, saying like, imagine if J.K. Rowling had just done what Suzanne Collins had done, which is basically write The Hunger Games and then fuck off and enjoy her money. mm -hmm. Because I don't think anyone really and i'm so i'm sure if you're a fan of her then you've probably you know a bit more about her life but in terms of like the general mainstream in most people's views she wrote the hunger games and i guess she was around as like a producer or whatever her credit was on the films yeah. and maybe she's been involved in this film because i think this one's based on her book as well isn't it yeah um but all she she's just taken her money and she just fucked off and lived a life and they're like yes girl unproblematic queen you do that yeah keep your opinion to yourself you know what i mean i guess similar to philip pullman in some ways in terms of being like the material is out there do with it what you will yeah i've published it if you've got different interpretations that's literature yeah done i'm like i'm here for that yeah i'm not here for no that's not my canon i'm the overlord of this magical world get lost horrendous (laughs) take your views and get in the bin yeah 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 (laughs) yes so i love that they hint at there's more yeah something else yeah we'll step into its place mm-hmm. so mary asks what happened to asriel and this is where mary learns about what happened to asriel and coulter mm-hmm. she says and mrs coulter for answer the witch took an arrow from her quiver she took her time selecting it the best the straightest the most perfectly balanced and she broke it in two once in my world she said i saw that woman torturing a witch and i swore to myself that i would send that arrow into her throat now I shall never do that. She sacrificed herself with Lord Azrael to fight the angel and make a safe world for Lyra. They could not have done it alone, but together they did it. And I feel like snapping that arrow in half is Ser- Serafina's way of like almost forgiving Coulter. Yeah, like, <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, pull one out. I, in my true fashion, the way that I read, I tend to be like, read, 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 read conclusion write it down and i overstepped on this one because i read it and i didn't keep reading i saw that she snapped the arrow and i was like oh my god rude because <laughs> like she said what did Azrael do oh he fought he fought the region of heaven and he wrestled him down into the abyss metatron is gone forever and so is Azrael. and then she's like what if Coulter and seraphina just gets the arrow out and breaks it and i'm like that is a very passive aggressive way of saying she's gone <laughs> like she's yeah. dead and then i carried on reading and i was like oh it's okay it's a symbolic arrow break. It wasn't just a, I'm not going to say what happened to her. I'm just going to break this arrow. Yeah. But then I also question Serafina's thoughts on about whether this is information that should be disclosed to Lyra. It's because a, Mary says... It's a fucking cop-out is what it right? is. Yeah, yeah. How, Mary says, how do we tell Lyra? And Serafina just says, only tell her if she asks. She's got the only theometer if she wants to know anyway. It's honestly like such bullshit because like can you imagine okay part of me can understand the like wait until she asks because there's a in my brain i'm thinking okay wait until she asks that's when she'll be ready to know because she's asked Mm -hmm. if that makes sense but the whole she's got the alethiometer oh yeah she's gonna ask the alethiometer about her parents and she's gonna learn from i mean don't come at me for this but essentially an inanimate object yeah that her parents are dead it's like and they, they, she's they, gonna Google if her right? parents are still alive. It's not gonna offer Wild. any like empathy. No, it's just gonna tell her that. Yeah, and also it might be really vague because I guess technically they're not dead. No, so like that is a massive cop out from Serafina. I'm like a bit disappointed in it. I think it's highlighted by Mary saying, "How can we tell Lyra?" Because Mary's first thought is, "We need to tell Lyra." Like Lyra deserves to know. Yeah, and Serafina's a bit like. Eh. But then the fact that Mary says, like, just doesn't respond. I think Mary's gone, I think in my head, Mary's judging Serafina for that response. And she's like, maybe I'll deal with that later. Because just leaving Lyra in the dark about what's gone on is wild. Especially if she's done so much for the world. Yeah. It's like, we'll just not tell you that your parents 
And especially because of what her parents have done to her in the past. I feel like it would mean a lot to Lyra. Obviously, it's going to be heartbreaking for her what happened to them. Yeah. But it would mean so much when knowing what they did for her. Yeah. It's like a step towards closure. Yeah. Because if she just gets told... If she... Again, if she see, reads the Ethiometer, it's not going to say they sacrificed themselves for you to save you. Yes. They had a redemption arc. It's yeah. just going to say falling forever. Yeah. Soz. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what the three symbols for that would be. Yeah. But, yeah. Exactly. You know. Um, and put a pin in the fact that Seraphine is like, oh yeah, Lyra will be able to read the alethiometer whenever she wants yeah. to find out. Oh, that just reminded me, I don't know why I didn't bring this up when we were talking about the Egyptians come in. How the fuck are they in another world? How do they get through another to another world? There's windows everywhere. <laughs> Do you think they all have to go through one at a time? Through a window? Yeah, just a little single file. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah, just like the bears. Well, if they went through the first bit, they'll have sailed through the Asriel explosion. Mm. Because you're able to do that by boat, at least. And then I don't know how many other worlds you've got to hop, but... True. Hmm. Very interesting. So, we do have, like, a nice moment here. Like, Mary asks Serafina... Can you look ahead and see what they're going to do? And then they have a nice moment where she says, no, but if Lyra returns to her world, then I will be her sister for as long as she lives. What will you do? And Mary had not considered it. Because she she says that this has been the happiest time in her life. This has been her, like, late in life gap here. And I'm so here for it. Yeah. Yeah. And she says, Serafina says, well, if you do return home, you shall have a sister in another world. And so shall I. We shall see, this made me laugh, we shall see each other again in a day or so when the ship arrives and we'll talk more on the voyage home and then we'll part forever. Embrace me now, sister. She's like, right. Give the hug, babes. I'll see you again once and then I'll never see you again. Now hug me. (laughs) You know what though? If that was the relationship I was going to have with someone, I'd be down for that. It's just being really honest about it. Like, I love you. I think of you as a sister. I'll see you next week. Yeah. And never again. Like, cool. Yeah. Right. And then we get this fucking hilarious bit at the end. Because we can't have a chapter about Mary without bloody Gomez. We can't. Sticking his oar in. I am, like, kind of obsessed with, like, this whole thing. Yes. Because, basically, a lizard comes out and eats Gomez's body because the lizards and the Malefa have, like, a bit of a agreement where, like, if there's something left overnight, then they can have it. Yeah. And Lyra and Will didn't see his body because they watch a different way back. And I love that it's just a final... Also, it feels... Number one, it feels really petty from Phil, which I'm here for. Yes. Number two, it's like a final fuck you to Gomez, that he will become in one with this world and being, like, ripped apart by a fucking lizard in this world that he thought he could take over and make the Malefa his, like, fucking... Like, yeah, he wanted to... Is tyrannise a word? He wanted yeah. to, like, yeah, become a dictator in this yeah. world. And actually, he's just drowned in an inch of water mm-hmm. and then been eaten by a lizard. And he's helping yeah. the ecosystem of the world, yeah. which I really like. And he would babies. And he would hate that. Yeah. Which I also he's really part like. Of the circle of life. Exactly. <laughs> and I love it. I fucking love it. And I love also, so. The lizard dragged the priest's body back to her nest and her her children feasted very well and as for the rifle, it lay in the grass where Father Gomez had laid it down, quietly turned into rust. I love that. Yeah. I love that, like, symbolism from the world. Exactly. Rust away. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that is the end of that chapter. It is. It is. What a chapter. It's an odd one, isn't it? Because we don't... We just... It's a a tease of a chapter, isn't it? Yeah. Because we did get to hang out with Pan and... Newly named Kiava, but we didn't get to actually know very much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we didn't find out too much, did we? But I mean, it's got a, we've got two chapters left. It's got a build up to an ending. So yeah, I I get it. I get why it's here because I think that if we'd have just like steamed through to the end, mm-hmm. we would have been like, oh, it feels like there's something a little bit missing here. It's got to have like a build up. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of nice to have like a low key chapter. Yeah. Like, there's not a ton of stuff going on. We're just chilling. We're hanging out with demons. They're being different animals. Seraphina's back. Yeah. She has a chat with Mary. Lovely. Yeah. Perfect. Nice. Yeah. yeah. 
What's, what, wait, what's the next what's chapter? The next it's, called? Called, it's called. It's called. The Dunes? The Dunes. The Dunes. The Dunes. The Dunes. The Dunes. Do we say Dunes or Dunes? dunes? If we are American, we definitely say Dunes. 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 Um, dunes. Dunes. Yeah, so I'm sure I'm supposed it? to put a, a Dune. Yeah. But I definitely just say it with a J or a G. Instead. Yeah. So the yeah. Dunes. Goons. The Goons. <laughs> The next chapter is The Goonies. (laughs) Okay, who's your award? My award this week is for Pan. Yeah, Pan's back. We've heard him speak for the first time in ages, and it's okay that he's grumpy with Lyra because he just needs to take his time, but also they've got things to do. True. True. He's a brave little baby. True. He does deserve it. He's been through a lot. He's almost a big boy. He's almost settled. Oh. What about you? Who's your award for? My award is for the lizard and her children that are going. Yes. Yes. (laughs) A true icon of our time. Honestly. Honestly, an icon. Short lived icon, because I don't think we'll see her again. Right. I mean, if we do, I'll be very surprised. Where's she at? (laughs) We'll see like two lizards in this whole book, maybe. Yeah. I think some were small and some were big, or were they all just the same big lizard? And I've just gotten confused about scale. Don't I know. don't know. I do, I do love a lizard, and I yeah. especially love a lizard that's going to eat Gomez. So Absolutely. I'm for it. And we do love a trend of eating corpses in these books. Yes, <laughs> we do. Corpse to be eaten. Yeah, we do. It's tradition yes. at this point. It is. Thanks so much for listening to this special London episode of Paradox Materials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HDFPod, and you can email us at paradoxmaterialspod at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at hdfpod.co.uk. If you want to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdfpod. We also have a shop where you can buy merch featuring all original artwork from Rich. You can find it at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop. I'm Fear, and when I'm not talking about lizards eating corpses, you can find me talking about Paramore on my other podcast, Still Into You. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts and find us on Twitter and Instagram at Still Into you Pod. I'm Rachel, and when I'm not here chatting to you lovely folks about chefs, I'm making cute and magical party things. You can find me over on Instagram at RachMakes, on Twitter and TikTok at Rach underscore makes, and over on my online shop, RachMakes.co.uk. The theme music for the podcast was written and produced by Johnny Hart. And we'll see you in two weeks' time, and don't forget, keep telling stories, and all will be well. There's only two chapters left. I can't. I can't. Don't. Don't. I can't. Maybe I'll get another concussion and we can, we can like, what's the word? Extend it out even longer. <laughs> just, <laughs> just keep knocking yeah. it out and we'll never finish the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good plan. Perfect. <laughs>